Yo, Chow, this beat. I'm uptown right now. I'm on my way to the West Bank to put a twist on this thing, you heard? This is the NOFP. With your hosts, Thomas Palmieri and Ronnie Abair. What is up and welcome back to the New Orleans Football Podcast. It has been far, far too long and the world has changed significantly. So this is going to be our first um, podcast over Skype. So if the audio is all messed up, we're sorry. Bear with us. We're doing our best. Ronnie's quarantined. I'm quarantined. Yes, sir. Um, Ronnie, a non-essential uh, essential employee. Myself. <laughs> essential so um <laughs> trying to stay away from each other as much as we can some of us have to work to pay the bills and that is me uh, <laughs> but there's been a lot going on in the nfl world the sports world as a whole is is just gone there is no sports it's awful yeah. we should be in march madness we're not in march madness um you should be in college baseball season my like that's my time to live you know i love college baseball gone yeah. Um, no NBA, just when the Pels were going to make their little push. We could all assume that they were going to make it. They were going to make the playoffs. They were going to get that sure. eight seed. Um, I was saying they were taking the six seed, but that was just me. Right. Oh, okay. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe. We'll never know. That's the thing. That's the crazy thing is we'll never know. But the NFL forges on. They're just – they're not worried about it, dude. They're going for it. Well, look, I think it's – uh. For us, at least I say for us, for the NFL, obviously, um, if this is going to happen, uh, you'd want it to happen in the offseason. So you could still kind of move on as business as usual. A lot of the things that that are going on at this point in time can be done remotely, so to speak. So uh, obviously benefits the NFL that they're in this time of the year when this is going down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so not to scare you too much, but imagine a world where this does just go all the way to football season and there's no football. Yeah. I mean, I actually thought about that the other day. Cause for me, I'm not a huge uh, NBA guy in terms of watching it. I mean, I enjoy basketball. I enjoy going to games and watching it live, but to say that I watch it yeah. on TV, I, I typically right. don't. Um, and, it, and as far as, as baseball goes, I'm kind of with you. I'm going to watch college before I watch uh, the MLB. So I think, uh, it is kind of crazy to think like you could have a scenario where there there is no football for a while, or, or if this thing carries over more than uh than we hope for it to do. So, uh, yeah, I mean it's just it's just weird times. It's uh, something that I think everybody's just kind of sitting back and and the, all you can really do is wait it out and see what happens. Man, it's just a strange time. Right. Yeah, and, and then so the league announced today um, that they're gonna go. Uh, virtual for the the draft, so it's all going to be remote, you know, from team facilities, which robs us of the opportunity to have the draft in Vegas with the boats. Were you aware of the boat thing with the draft? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. And I'm honestly, I'm going to say that it's probably beneficial for the players. I can see something ridiculous happening as these guys are, are boarding on and off these boats onto that's the what i was waiting for like the 300 and you know 25 pound d lineman to be climbing into the boat and in like skinny jeans or a skinny uh suit and just chaos just total chaos that's what i was yeah. so we're being robbed of that but hopefully it's for the greater good the season I will say can go this, on. Though. 
I will say this. We uh-huh. talk about being robbed of that. I think what's, what is cool about the way it's going to go is, from what I'm reading, it's going to be kind of an in-look uh, of, of each team's war room as they're making the picks. I think that would be pretty cool to kind of see um, if they show you kind of inside conversations between co- – I'm not saying you're going to be able to listen in and hear what they're saying, but just kind of just watching these guys work behind the scenes, I think it would be pretty neat to see. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be um – It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, that was weird. Just playing with Skype, dude. It took a little yes, snapshot there. Pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just there's too much going on in front of me. Usually, I'm trying to run all the audio controls, but now it's just a video of me and you because it's easier to talk over uh, like in a visual conversation. But now I'm just sure. watching myself and playing with the snapshot feature. So as far as the quality of my thought process, it's not going to get any better now that you're not in the room. That's for sure. Like the, <laughs> the, uh, the attention span is still going to be a little bit off there. So keep me on track. Bear with me here. Um, but anyway, now that the sports world is shut down, free agency hit at the perfect time really did because it, it, we were getting to that point where it's like, I need some, I just need something. I need anything. I need anything like exciting. That's not, you know, Corona related or the economy tanking or whatever it is needed something. And there was some talk even of pushing this back of pushing free agency back, which was like, for what? Like, just, just call, just do this. We can figure it out. You call, you say, I'm gonna pay you this much, but we don't have to do the whole like go steak dinner thing. Like you're good, man. Just, just make it happen. Um, and we'll meet you in a couple months. Like that should, that should work out. So the league held its, uh, held its line. They went with it. And free agency has been total mayhem, just total bedlam. This is like the uh, one of the best years of free agency. And me and you like particularly get really excited around this time because this is when the NFL kicks back up. You, you go through your little lull, but this is the the outside of the season actually starting. This is the funnest time of the year, obviously. Yeah, no doubt. And not to mention, I mean, day one you had a, a huge move, uh, not so much regarding free agency, but some trades that went down. One in particular that kind of shook the NFL landscape, I think, was the Texans and the Cardinals. Um, Coach Bill O'Brien slash GM Bill O'Brien sends over DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals in return for uh, David Johnson, the running back, and, and a couple of draft picks. Um, that one was, was really kind of a head-scratcher in a sense of how does the Texans not come away with a first-round pick? Yeah, let me, let me jump in on that because Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien is a guy that you've you know historically been – pretty low on and as a coach i've always said look he wins he wins his division pretty often and like i think he's an all right coach he puts a good product on the field eh, here and there for the most part for what he's been given but like if you're gonna pull the belichick and say no i'm the gm i'm the coach well you got to wear both hats and you got to take the blame when when the personnel side of it doesn't go well and this is this guy stinks he is this is the worst thing like what do you for what and it, like now it's coming out that it's potentially because of personal issues between him and Hopkins. Like, right. oh man, if you're a Texans fan, you got to be out, right? Like, you got to be completely out on the team at this point. Oh, I'm gonna turn out the, the the angriest person in the room needs to be the quarterback. Okay, yeah. I mean, you're talking about. Uh, I just drew a blank. This has been too long, bro. You're talking about DeAndre Hopkins being one of, if not the yeah. best, wide receiver in football. Absolutely. Yeah, but I was getting that with Deshaun Watson. So Watson is sitting back thinking, look, man, you're excited about 
I, I think they need to be. The Texans need to be excited the way the year ended last year. You right. brought in you brought in Larry Mitzonzo to help you out on the blind side. You brought in a couple of pieces that kind of brought this team to where we all thought they could be from a, from a uh, longevity standpoint and kind of hanging around throughout the playoffs. They finished fairly strong. I mean, they had the bad game against Kansas City. It is what it is. But you walk away from last season feeling decent. Now you go into this next season and your number one option is gone. Yeah, Not to this that, team. We say it's a bad game versus the Texans. This team was up twenty one, what twenty one nothing on the yeah. Super Bowl champion Chiefs right. at some point. I don't know if it's twenty one, but like I, I, they were up big on the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. And all last year, we were making moves with the Laramie Tunsil trade, with the Kenny Stills trade that signaled we're all in, we're going for it in the next couple of years. While we have Deshaun on this on this you know relatively cheap contract, um, we're going to go for it, and then. Not even, what, four, five months later? Not even four. Not even four months later, you're saying, no, blow it all up. Because that's what that is. Like, if you're trading DeAndre Hopkins, the best player on your team, if not one of the top five, six, seven players in the league, you're trading that guy for a second-round pick in David Johnson, you're done, man. It's over. Like, And your division's getting better while you're doing what? What What did the Texans do? The defense is still a mess. And now your offense is Kenny Stills. Well, this is the thing that interests me is is it was always the, the story of can they get Hopkins and Will Fuller on the field together for a full season because Fuller's always injured, obviously. And right. anytime Fuller was on the field, that offense was serious. Okay. They were able oh, yeah. to have serious production with those two guys on the field. You take Hopkins out of the picture and you know Fuller at some point is gonna get hurt. Now, like you said, your starting two receivers are going to be Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb. Yeah. Yeah, now, I was about to say, I Rand- mean, look, at least they stopped the bleeding and brought in Randall Cobb. That's just <laughs> fantastic. I mean, look, like, do I think Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb are really good role players in the league? Yeah, I do. I think they're nice guys to have on in the in the receiving room. But you can't sit here and tell me that you're going to go from yeah, Hopkins and Fuller no, don't to even, Kenny Stills right, and Randall yeah. Cobb and find success. R- Randall Cobb is good to have in the room in the sense of – Anybody you can sign off a free agency is good to have in the room. It's it's <laughs> like whatever. That's fine. If he's there, he's there. If he's not, you're not going to notice. Like it just doesn't matter. He's just a not. He's a non-factor when yeah. when you're talking about actually elevating an offense. No, I'm with you absolutely. So that was one that was really interesting. Now look, let's let's just say we're, we're talking about them losing Hopkins, obviously. So what does David Johnson do for the Texans? Because it doesn't two years matter. Ago, years it just ago. doesn't matter. Dude, like, David Johnson hasn't been David Johnson in, in how long? I mean, he got beat out by Kenyon Drake this year. Remember, just a couple months ago, he got beat out by Kenyon Drake. Okay? <laughs> that that alone tells you that he's basically, like, throwing in the wash machine for that trade. It, it just doesn't matter. And, and, like, if that's what sold Bill O'Brien on it, then he needs to be gone yesterday. So, my question was going to be, do you think David Johnson has anything left in the tank? And obviously that answer is no. Even if he, this is my, this is, I was thinking about it the other day and I'm like, you know what? Maybe it could work. Maybe the scheme fits. Maybe uh, that offensive line gets a little better and they start run blocking and they can run the ball a little bit. Because I mean, what's his name? Had Carlos Hyde had some success behind that line um, this past year. It, even if he does, does he elevate you to a level where you're better than you were with DeAndre Hopkins, or is David Johnson just like good Carlos Hyde at this point? You know, like so. What does it? What does it do for you? Yeah, I think I think the only way that 
you'll get the return that I think Bill O'Brien's hoping to get is if a guy like Will Fuller stays healthy and you're able to stretch the field a little bit to lighten the load inside the box. Um, but again, he's never done it, and, and I don't think he's going to do it. I think he's just one of those guys that are somewhat injury prone. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's, it's been a while since Houston has had a running back that, look, I, I'm not saying David Johnson's still David Johnson, but I do think he has a skill set that, um, for whatever reason, it seems like he's lost it the last year or two. But And that's that's kind of the weird thing. Is, is it scheme-related? Is, is there more behind the scenes that we don't know about in terms of him being unhappy in Arizona? You really don't know what – what is driving these players to do good or bad? Okay, so we right. know what he was capable of doing at a point in his career, and, and I would think that it, it wasn't so far off that he still has some of those abilities, I would think. Um, so I do think it's, it's interesting at least to see can he kind of resurrect himself in Houston and, and be the guy that, that we really all kind of fell in love with his first, two years, his first two seasons in Arizona. Yeah, I just – like the, the only reason I get so worked up about the trade is that it's a second rounder and a running back. An aging yeah. running back it hasn't done anything. It, it's yeah. got to be a first round pick. Like if the Saints ever traded Michael Thomas, which I mean, they're they're what and what in my opinion, and it's not for a first round pick. Well, then everybody's got to go. Like just get out, get out <laughs> and start fresh. Well, the thing that makes this trade look so bad is not far after getting into another one was the trade for uh, Stephon Diggs to Buffalo, in which the Vikings uh-huh. did receive a first round pick for that. Um, what do you <laughs> right. think? What do you think right. Stephon Diggs can do in Buffalo? Uh, with Josh Allen throwing the football, um, I think if uh, I think the issue with Diggs and Cousins was that Cousins always plays, you know, plays it safe, takes the check down. He's afraid to, to unleash it when when Diggs is streaking across the field wide open, and, that, and that's pretty often because he's an absolute stud receiver. Um, I think the issue he's going to run into is. He's, he's going to a team with a guy that's not afraid to turn it loose. He's just not that good at turning it loose and hitting the area of the field where he was aiming it at. You know, that's the issue he runs into. Yeah, that is the one thing I think is interesting about it is that kind of towards the mid to end season in Minnesota that Stephon Diggs was making a lot of noise. Okay, he was, he was letting it be known that he was unhappy with the production of the offense, particularly the passing game in Minnesota. So like you're saying, he goes to Buffalo where you have a guy that is ready to sling the ball left and right, but there are some accuracy issues, and, and that'll be one that I think is interesting is if him and if him and, and Josh Allen struggle to get on the same page, um, not so much on Diggs's end, but on Josh's end, is that going to create turmoil, and is this going to be short-lived for the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I, I think it will. I don't know if you could hear just now, but uh, but like every couple words would slow down. So you would be talking about it and it would go like Josh Allen and it was awesome. So that'll be fun to leave to hear on the uh, on the playback. But back to the Bills. Um, I don't know if if Diggs can get along with anybody. I mean, he's shown at this point. No. So we'll see. Um, you definitely hope so. But like just like one of those petty guys that like takes the Twitter after every game and all of that stuff. And he's just a guy that you would love to see put it together you know, not be that guy and be able to produce at the high level you you assume he could. Now, like this is a guy. I mean, look, I'm burnt. I'm completely burnt by Diggs, and so I'm very bitter about him. But in that offense with John Brown, I'd like to see how Josh Allen can kind of strive this year. Because as mu- as much as I make fun of his accuracy issues, he's 
one of the funnest players in the league to watch right now. So it, it, I think Buffalo is, is very interesting this year. Oh, he's a playmaker. There's no doubt about it. And that's where he makes up for those inefficiencies in the accuracy department. What I find interesting is anytime you have a quarterback that lacks accuracy, you, you tend to want to try to give him bigger targets to throw to. Okay, there's a bigger wingspan, uh, so to speak, a bigger radius of, of a throwing target. And they've yet to get a guy that, that makes any difference in Buffalo that's that's over six foot. I don't think Stephon Diggs is over six foot. I, I could be wrong. He may be six, six one. But I uh, if I had to guess off the top of my head, he's not someone that's that's climbing the ladder in height, so to speak. So I think it's 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 just kind of funny that all of their receivers are, are let's just, just call it six one and below for a guy that tends to have some inaccuracy issues. You would you would think that they would have some bigger targets uh, for him to throw to, but it'll be interesting to see. Like you said, Stephon Diggs is one of the better receivers in the game. Obviously, Josh Allen is a, is a playmaker in this league, and and I. I do expect there to be a lot of success between him and Diggs, but I do also think there's going to be those games where Stephon Diggs hold his mouth and just keep playing football because Josh Allen overthrew him three or four times throughout the game. Right. Yeah, and that, that, that'll be it. Now, the the one part, like, to kind of speak to what you're talking to about the team building and things like that, as far as the kind of receivers they're bringing in, I did, this is not my, my take on this. Obviously, I heard it somewhere. Um, but... I thought it was interesting is that if you look at the way they've built that receiver core, though, they have like the prototypical deep threat in John Brown, who, uh, you know, I love, obviously, but like you have your deep threat in John Brown, you have your kind of star receiver that can play at all. And then you have your, you just, your, your smaller safety blanket guy in Cole Beasley. Um, so you kind of have a guy at every level, of the field in that passing game. So that, that's going to be interesting to see how that, that experiment works when we're talking about, you know, catering to an inaccurate quarterback. Yeah. And I will say one other guy that I think you need to throw into the mix in terms of someone that I think could take the next step for the Buffalo Bills offensively is uh, Knox, the tight end out of Ole Miss uh, that yeah. they drafted last year. I kind of expect him to kind of take that next step and, and, and kind of sta- staple himself in that offense. So I do think overall, uh, when you look at the receiving options, you have the playmaker in Josh Allen. You have a, a, a decent offensive line. I don't think they lost anybody. In fact, I think they brought the one guy back uh, in Spain, the guard that was a free agent. Um, they brought him back in the fold. And then you have the running back. Uh, what's your boy's name? Singletary. Yeah, uh, Sing- Singletary. Singletary, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think he's another one that uh, is kind of undervalued in, in what he could potentially do year two in the league. So I think that offense, like you're saying, in terms of – Team building. I think it's interesting to see how they kind of went about it. And uh, there's been some there's been some talk that uh, they were still looking to add some some running back help, whether it be free agency. I think Melvin Gordon's name even came up for the Buffalo Bills at one point. Obviously, we know now he's a Denver Bronco, which we can talk about next if you want uh, to continue on the around the league talk. But um, that that offense, I think, is interesting one. I think the the, the backbone of that team is the defense, and and I just I kind of like the direction that they're going in. Yeah. Well. I mean, we could touch on the on the Melvin Gordon real quick and then move on because I don't think anybody wants to hear too much about it. But uh, he was a guy that I, I wanted to see in Buffalo teamed up with Singletary and the rest of that offense. That would have made a ton of sense. The, the team that he goes to, the Denver Broncos, makes just zero sense in my opinion because wh- why? Like, why are you paying a running back right now when you need like every other position? Yeah, I think. Um in particular, for, for that team, if I'm trying to add talent, I'm looking at I'm looking at the wide receiver position. Now, granted, in free agency, I think that position's kind of dried up at this point. So that that is obviously something to consider. But um, 
Yeah, it's interesting because you have Philip Lansing, who who I think is for the most part is has overachieved what they thought he was going to be. Obviously, uh, you have Royce Freeman. I think he's probably underachieved, but at the same time, I think he still has a role in that offense that he can be um, somewhat beneficial to them. But but look, I, at the same time, when you're talking about a team that has a lot of holes, I do think a guy like uh, Melvin Gordon, albeit they may not have necessarily needed him. I think it's good to add talent any way you can add talent. And, and, and that is a guy that a couple of years, or a year, even a year ago, we considered one of the top, say, eight backs in the league, so to speak. And, and I think if you can add that to a team that has holes and, and has issues from a, from a skill set perspective, I think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think we're kind of burying the lead. Obviously, the big news coming out of free agency um, has a lot to do with the Bills being at the same division. But Tom Brady moving on from the Patriots. He's going to be in the Saints division, who we'll get to that a little bit coming up. But So maybe I'm jumping the gun there. Did you want to touch on anybody else before we jumped into NFC South? Well, yeah, I know we got, yeah, I'll rattle them off real quick. Marcus Mario to the Raiders. Okay, we don't have to spend too much time there. Gruden loves him. Uh, Mayock loves him. He's probably going to take Carr's job at some point for some reason because uh, uh, they they, tend, they seem to not like Carr. I don't see what they like about Mariota more. And let me just say this. Uh, I kind of have – I think Carr is an interesting case in terms of we were just talking about Brady, so let's kind of bring it full circle. Obviously, New England is in the market for a quarterback at this point. They have uh, Stidham on, on roster, and they seem to like him, but is that the guy that they see taking over? Um, and I'm not saying – this could be completely just out of left field, but I just find it interesting that I do think Gruden is done with Carr. I don't think you bring in Mariota w- without thinking that he can actually come and take that job from Carr, okay? So to me, is Derek Carr a guy that New England's picking up the phone and saying, hey, uh, what, what is it going to take to get Derek Carr away from Oakland? I think that's an interesting concept. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I- I'm not saying that that's where I think they're going. I just think that's an interesting one where New England – obviously is looking to bring in someone, whether it be, um, look, Jameis Winston is, is available. Cam Newton is potentially available via trade now. Andy Dalton is in the mix. I mean, there's a couple of names in there. So of those guys, Winston, Newton, Dalton, uh, potentially a guy like Derek Carr, if, if the Oakland Raiders are looking to move on from him, um, those are some names that I think are kind of interesting in regards to, to potentially being the next New England quarterback uh, at some point. So that's an interesting one. But I think, you had brought this one up pre, uh, pre-recording here. Nick Foles to Chicago is another one that I found uh, pretty interesting. I think Trubisky, you know how I feel about him. I think he's one of the worst starters in the league. Uh, I don't, I don't yeah. even know if I want to call him a starter. I just don't think he's progressed at all. And uh, I think Nick Foles going into that offense is interesting. Uh, he has some kind of ties to Nagy at some point. I'm not quite sure where, but I was listening well, to a report. Here, here's what it is. Nagy, Nagy worked under Andy Reid. Um, and then, you know, ran that offense sure. with Philly a couple of years ago. So that's, that's what that, where that all comes from. He knows the system. He fits right in and is probably your week one starter. You think so? Uh, I mean, what, like, yeah, I do. I do. At yeah, first I, I was like, it. I think they're going to start. I don't think I need to see any more. I think, I think they're going to start. At first I thought they're going to start Trubisky and, and give him a long leash. Like, that's what I thought at first. The more I think about it, this is a team that thinks they're built to win now. And, I mean, they probably are. So why play around for a couple games when you know exactly what you have in Trubisky? Yeah. 
And not to mention, you, you look at a team in division and the Packers that are probably going to start off hot. You can't afford to go down two, right. three games and act as if you're going to you're going to come back. Because look, at the end of the day, in the NFC, if you want to, if you want to guarantee your ticket into the playoffs, it has to be winning your division. The wild card thing is so hit or miss in the NFC because there's so many teams that are going to be nine, ten, you know what I'm saying, in that range of wins. Well, that well, you that you take it as a wild card. That's hard to say. Yeah, but we we kind of missed this, but they did pass the CBA, and this year you had the extra wild card. So yeah, there's going to be a bad team in that third wild card spot. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, I mean, think think about it. Like. It, the last wild card team when there was only two was usually a team where everybody said, okay, they're not making it. You know, like there's, you can write them off. You add a third team to that and it's, it's going to get pretty dark at some time. No, look, there's going to be a team that comes out and makes some noise out of that spot at some point, obviously, because I mean, this year it could have been the Cowboys. It could have been any of those other, you know, teams like that, but it, it you don't have to be that great to make the playoffs anymore. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Well, what'll be what'll be interesting though is is from from time to time we have those seasons where three teams in one division are at a, at a really high level. I mean, we've seen it in the NFC South a couple of times, and oh, yeah. you have a team, yeah. you know, eight eight winning their division, and then you have a team that won ten games not making it at all. So that's where I think it'll benefit to have that third spot available because from time to time you will have someone that that gets in and and, and makes some noise, like you're saying, as the third wild card. But really, and and you know conference spectrum there they may be the, the fourth best team in the conference right right yeah that's true uh, so we did oh. we, we did Mario we did Foles. last but not least yeah Rivers going to the Colts which you know is, is kind of mixed feelings for me because I've actually really enjoyed watching this Colts team kind of build the way they're building as far as um, building in the trenches through the draft, not signing big free agents, just really going after it um, and, and building a, an interesting team. And then they bring in Rivers, who I've, I've historically, you know, hated watching because of he's Phillip Rivers. Um, what do you think this does for this team? Are they that much better than they were last year? I'm going to say yes, and, and the reason I think bringing in Phillip Rivers would be an upgrade to Jacoby Brissett is, is solely because you watch Rivers over the over the last couple of years. I don't think he's had an offensive line in front of him, I would say really in the last like four to five seasons that you would consider good. Now, he had better weapons than he's going to have with, with the Colts at, at this point in time. You're still waiting to see what the Colts do in the draft and whatnot, but I think the offensive line is what makes a difference for Phillip in terms of him kind of uh, I don't want to say resurrecting his play, but I think kind of getting back to the old Philip that, we, that we're used to in a sense, he's going to have this offensive line in front of him that I think is built for him. He, he's not going to have to worry about what's going on around him in the pocket. He's going to have clean pockets to throw from. Um, as long yeah. as a guy like T.Y. can stay healthy, he's obviously one that can stretch the field, not going to hit it. That's the difference. Um, they have Marlon Mack in full behind him. So I think that the team around him is kind of what makes the difference. That It's not so much I think Phillip's going to, elevate the Colts, I think they almost elevate each other, and by result, you see a better outcome. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's washed. I think his arm's gone. He throws ducks. He's like a late late career Peyton Manning. Um, <laughs> so, we'll see. Uh, so, now we'll go on to the NFC South and the big news. Um, obviously, Thomas uh, Aurelius Brady, as a friend of ours likes to say. Um <laughs> 
Shout years. Out to $50 million to the Buccaneers. So, the GOAT is coming to the uh, division. How does that make you feel, Ron? Well, the first thing I want to say is when, when the teams came out that were potentially in the hunt for Tom, I honestly had the Bucs as the lowest seed, so to Me speak. Yeah. I thought if it wasn't going to be New England, I thought it was going to be Tennessee or Oakland. And then I caught it, I kind of was like, ah, maybe the Chargers in the mix. You know, we'll see. But dude, the Bucs was the last team I expected, honestly. Even with the weapons that are going to be at his disposal, which is, I think, what ultimately closed the deal for him was, look, I get to, I get to work with Bruce Arians. And then I have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and uh, O.J. Howard to throw to. I think that's what kind of made the difference for them in terms of, or I should say the difference for Tom in, in terms of his decision. Now, they do need to solidify the offensive line a little bit, but uh, that, that'll be interesting to see how they, how they go about that via draft. And, and at this point, it's kind of late in free agency, but we'll see. For me, though, in terms of what does it do for the division, um, obviously it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to elevate the Bucs. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a given. Now, am I... Am I sitting back thinking that the, the current Tom Brady, as we've seen him the last year or two, is he the guy that's going to come in and, and elevate this team so much so that they take the division outright? I, I, don't, I don't think so. And, and for me, are the Bucs going to be better? Yes. Are they good enough to, to outright beat out the Saints? No. I think that our roster is still, from a team perspective, we're still that much farther advanced than they are in Tampa. Now, maybe next year, maybe next, next year when, when, when they have another year of time and, and another opportunity to bring in more talent, then maybe it's a different conversation. Um, but, but no, I don't, I don't think, I don't look at it and say, man, we're done. I, I just don't. Yeah, no, when, um, when the announcement initially came out, <laughs> I, made the, uh, I made the comment that Tom Brady's now the worst quarterback in the NFC South. <laughs> But uh, Teddy Bridgewater stayed in the South, so he's probably the worst at this point, which is not a knock. Look, you're playing with two of the greatest of all time. Matt Ryan's still here. So being being the worst quarterback in this division. Yeah. Right, exactly. But do I – like, I was the same way. I I thought, no way, it's Tampa. But if you just change the the sticker on the helmet, Tampa is absolutely the best situation he was looking at. You know, the, the only thing that was holding me back was, does Tom Brady really want to live in Tampa? Um, apparently so. <laughs> uh, I think Bruce Arians is the thing that sold him on that. Like you said, the talent around him. And, and uh, it's it's really it's going to be interesting to see how that offense kind of gels with Tom Brady. Because if you think about Bruce Arians, you think about really cannon-arm quarterbacks. I mean, you think about Roethlisberger. You think about... Um, Andy Luck, you think about Carson Palmer, these guys that had big arms that could push the ball downfield. His Arians offenses like statistically push the ball downfield more than anybody in the league ever does. Um, and Tom has really kind of – he plays the Drew Brees offense. He plays the, the surgical pick you apart and then hit you deep when I have to. It's, it's, it's that kind of style. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two – minds meld in that sense but i think it definitely makes them the second best team in this division behind us okay i think uh yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of on the fence between them and the falcons in terms of who's going to finish potentially as the second seed i think we still have the hold as the one um i think the panthers end up coming and coming in last but um I'm kind of on the fence. I'm not quite ready to, to make that claim just yet. But, uh, 
it's definitely obviously a trend in the right direction for the Buccaneers. And it's something that I think as a franchise and as a fan base, it's obviously something to be super excited about. I don't think even they expected Tom Brady to be well, this the quarterback the, under center for the 2020 season. This is the, the, the stat that Tampa fans can hang on to is that I think it was like six of their games last year came down to one score or less. Okay. And if you remove 30 interceptions from Jameis Winston – I'd, I would go out on a limb and say you probably win a couple of those one score. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, sure, I mean, for Brady's sure. at least not going to turn the ball over 30 times. That's a fact. Now, can he throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns like Jameis Winston did? It, it will, we'll have to see if he's still got that left in him. But as far, I mean, like all the things you love about Drew Brees are all the same things about Brady as far as a, a talent on the field and having a guy like him still in the building. We can't say Brady is uh, is washed or like anything like that if we're going to trot uh, Drew Brees out there this year. Yeah, right. And look, just to kind of round off the Buccaneers, uh, notable offseason, um, either additions and or re-bringing guys back. Uh, Shaquille Barrett was someone that they franchise tagged. They made that decision over Jameis Winston, obviously, understanding that they had Tom Brady in that back pocket. And then they went up and... Um, Resign Jason Pierre-Paul, so they get two of their edge players back. So that'll be a big thing for the defense that I think started to make improvements throughout the year. And and it's a young group that started to get better. And that's another thing that Tom Brady could be looking at is look, I got a I got a young defense on the opposite side of the ball that it's only getting better uh, via you know through through experience and chemistry with with one another. So yeah. that'll be an interesting thing to see is, is can they continue to build upon that? <clears throat> now we brought up Teddy Bridge going to the Panthers um, outside of. Outside of Teddy Bridgewater, I don't, I don't think the Panthers done, have done that much that excites you or, or kind of um, puts them in a position that you think, look, this could be a, a true contender in, in the division. Um, but I do think it's interesting that you have, obviously, the connection with uh, Joe Brady that was with the Saints uh, two seasons ago. They come out, and that was a team that I was kind of expecting to really push the envelope for, for potentially Taysom Hill. Um, I was waiting to see if, if they were going to do that and said they go with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, do you think Teddy coming back in the system, working with Joe Brady, moving from the system, with, obviously with us in the Saints, going to Carolina where they're going to be running a very similar, if not the same system, um, what do you think Teddy can do with, um, you know, a David Moore, I'm sorry, not David Moore, DJ Moore and uh, uh, uh Samuel, the uh, Curtis, the other receiver that they have there. I mean, with those weapons outside of Christian McCaffrey, it's not a whole lot going on that you're afraid of. So, kind of, how do you how do you see that going for Teddy? Uh, I mean, I think it's, I think he's better than Kyle Allen, but I just don't. I don't know, I, <laughs> Teddy. I got I, he doesn't he doesn't scare me as far as a threat being in the division still. Yeah, no, I, I'm not either, and that was my biggest thing in terms of people that were saying that it was time to, to move forward with Teddy and move on from Breeze. It was just the, the lack of explosive plays. It was the what seemed to be uh, fear of, of pushing the ball downfield and, and kind of just living on the check down, so to speak. Um, now, I will right. say this, if there's a guy to check down to, it's Christian McCaffrey, okay? <laughs> so, yeah. so we'll see how that goes. For um, and look, yeah, the him, Carolina I mean, Panthers, him, Curtis Samuels, that guy, like they, they – if you want to check down Charlie, he's he's your guy, and he's got the weapons to do it. And I, I don't want to take away from from Teddy's game. I just I think his game is what it is. I think we've seen it. 
Yeah, I think that that bringing Teddy in is a is a bridge. Uh, yeah, no, no point intended there, but uh, I think they're bringing <laughs> him in as a bridge. Um, they're gonna, I think, potentially try to go get somebody in this year's draft and, and try to mold them over the next year or two and see what happens. Um, I will say this though: they, they today they they went and got XFL phenom uh, Philip Walker. Um, so we'll see if uh, if Joe Brady can kind of get him to be the next Taysom Hill in that offense. Yeah, maybe that's a maybe yeah, that's a thing. It'll be interesting. Right. All right, um, PDX, I, I felt. That was, yeah, was right. It, it, was, it was fun while it lasted. Um, look, the Falcons, they bring in Todd Gurley. They make a little noise themselves. They bring in Todd Gurley and uh, Dante Fowler, are two names that I think are pretty interesting and worth mentioning, uh, worth discussing. What do those guys bring to, to the Falcons? Is Todd Gurley at this point in his career going to be uh, a difference maker for that offense with Julio and Calvin Ridley and, and, and so on and so forth? They also added, hey, he's not losing. He's not. He's le- you, like, name names all you want, but he's leaving an offense full of talent. He just he couldn't get on a field. Uh, he's done. So I, I, I just don't see Gurley. I mean, it, look, it's the ultimate, like, it's the ultimate Falcons move. So, you know, good on you for that. Um, but I don't see this as the, the, the Falcons, like, who was the Rams running back? that the Falcons brought in and he ended up being productive for the Falcons for a long time, actually for a couple of years. And he was a long time Rams running back. Long time Ram running back. How many, what were we talking about a season ago, two seasons ago, Ten seasons ago. Yeah, this is a little bit, this is a little bit longer back in our, uh, back in our Madden, Madden tournament days. Um, trying to think. Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson, there you go. So maybe this is, I don't see this as the Steven Jackson situation. Well, I, honestly, I kind of do. <clears throat> I think that, um, I think a lot of last year potentially came down to was Todd Gurley healthy and what was going on with the knee. I think it's Todd Gurley's not getting more healthy. His, his no, knees no, are going no, with got arthritis. Well, that's what I think is interesting is that uh, you know, you're looking at the Rams and the contract that they just gave Todd Gurley, obviously paying him as, as the best player in their offense, which he was. And um, for them to, to move on this quickly, obviously there's some fear and what's going on with that knee. So that's yeah. that's always going to be the thing that that slows them down. If, if that's still the case, then yes, of course it, it's not a uh, it's not a, a real threat. But even even if he was fully healthy, um, or with him being fully healthy, I think obviously he's a, he's an upgrade from Devontae Freeman. And solely due to the fact that you have to respect the passing game so much in Atlanta, I think that would make the difference for Todd Gurley. Um, you know, moving the ball through the trenches. Now, my thing with, with Gurley is um, I think that even with the Rams, we've seen what we were able to do against them. We, we've seen what we were able to do against all the elite backs in the league. So as far as a threat to New Orleans, a threat to the Saints, no running back really scares me because I think we've gone about our business solidifying and keeping our guys that have made a difference in this rushing defense over the last two seasons they're still all in house so nothing yeah. nothing has changed yeah so that's where i think we're going to be okay in terms of um nothing has changed at our end so uh, no signing, running back really scared signing like christian McCaffrey. yeah signing Gurley does nothing for me when it comes to the falcons like it it, it doesn't move my, the needle on my opinion of them in any in any way i don't know what my opinion of them is per se because they were terrible at the beginning of last year and pretty good at the end of last year i mean at the beginning and then pretty good at the end last year so I don't know where I fall on them yet going into next season, but I'm not going to say like, 
okay, they got Gurley. They fixed their issues. Here come the Falcons again. You know, that, yeah. that won't be the reason that I, that I think the Falcons are going to be good. Well, of the moves that the Falcons have made, uh, see, I do think it moves the need a little bit. But of, of the moves as a whole, uh, obviously, Todd Gurley, we said Dante Fowler, who I think is a nice ad for them on, on the edge. They also re-signed Tyler Davidson, who was a guy that before Anya Mata re-signed with us was someone I was kind of telling you guys, like, hey, that's a low-key sign, and we can bring him back if we can't bring back Anya Mata, which obviously we did. And then they go and trade uh, Hurst, they lost Hooper, a tight end that was kind of up-and-coming big for them last year. They brought in Hayden Hurst. I think that's a nice add for them as well. So I think that they all the moves that they made, those those guys I just rattled off are someone. Wait, but adding, or, or, you don't or, think. You don't think adding Hayden Hurst and losing Austin Hooper is just a like a, a it's a, a one, net one. zero like yeah like you, you didn't get yeah. better but you oh. didn't get worse it's just yeah it's just a, it's, I think Hooper is probably better than Hayden Hurst so yeah no I would agree I would agree but what I'm saying is is that losing Hooper the fact that they did lose him at least it's not it's not a, a open hole at this point no. I think yeah. Hurst right. feeling somewhat and keep him on that same level. But I do think Ed Gurley and Fowler are going to bring them up just a little bit from where they were last year based upon what they had at those yeah. positions. Falcons um, thing, 0-16. 0-16. <laughs> 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 right, so we uh, uh, in the shortened season we're going to have. Yeah. We talked around the league. We talked about uh, individual stuff. Now let's get to what we've really been waiting to hear. Well, first off, real quick, before we get into the Saints, um, three guys that are still available that I think are pretty interesting. Jadevian Clowney still has yet to sign. Uh, Everson Griffin, again, a free agent. And our guy, Vaughn Bell, still sitting out there waiting to get picked up. Yeah. Here's my um, here's my theory on Bell. He's going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Think about that defense. And they're built. They're, they're, they're styled up front. They've spent money and they've spent draft picks up front. What's been the Achilles heel is they just get torched over the top. Absolutely just shredded. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater lit this team up last year. And <laughs> Von Bell is not coming back to the Saints. I think they've made that clear, and we'll talk about why shortly here. But um, I, think, I think that's where he's going to end up. You see, like, NFC South definitely just trades players around, and that's, I think that's what's going to happen here. Yeah, I'm with you. I like that take. Uh, and real quick, there was some, one other thing I want to talk about before we got into the Saints. Um, in regards to some of the quarterbacks that are in kind of a carousel at this point in time, uh, just real quick, you're going to tell me if they're going to be a starter or no next season, okay? Jameis Winston, okay. is he going to be a starting quarterback for somebody? He might not be on a roster come week one. He might be a late-season late ad. Late-season ad. That'll be interesting. Uh, Cam Newton? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the market's shrinking quickly, so I don't I mean, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. See, I thought, I'm going to say no. I thought he no, was I'm going to say yes. Gonna I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I thought he was going to be Okay. Um, let me, real quick, would you take Newton or Teddy? If you're Carolina, they made the decision, obviously, to go Teddy. Would you go Newton or Teddy if you were making a team? Huh. I don't know what Cam is right now. Like, I don't know if he's if he's – Let's say they're healthy. both fully healthy. Oh, fully healthy, you got to take Cam. That, I mean, that's, okay. that's not close. So there must be some in-house things, because I'm with you. I think Newton's uh, a much better player than, than Teddy is when they're fully healthy. So there must be some things going on, on that. All right, Andy, well, I no. think it's – yeah. 
Um, Andy Dalton is going to be the Patriots starter. So, yeah. You think so? Like yeah. that. Uh, those are just three guys that I kind of wanted to discuss in terms of people that we know are currently either free agents and or open for trade from their team. So that's just that's kind of – so of that group, we say Newton and Dalton are starters, and you're saying Winston is going to be uh, looking for looking for work. Yeah. He would have <laughs> lit the XFL up. That would have been great. Um, I'm going to say Jameis is on a roster, but I don't think he's he's going to be a starter. I'd have to really look at the landscape of the league to, to go in depth on that. But um, the fact that the fact that he waited this long to get LASIK and fix his uh, fix his vision, he deserves to not be in the league. Like the guy couldn't see it was it was obvious he couldn't see, and he waits until the, the his team signs Tom Brady to go get his eyes fixed. Great job, man! Awesome. Yeah. Well. Uh, It'll be interesting to see. I mean, there's a couple of teams out there that I still think need a quarterback, but also most of those teams are in line via draft or in position draft. to take someone. Yeah. So it'll be interesting right. to see. But I think Washington's a team to look out for. I think the Chargers are a team to look out for. Um, just off the top of my head here, kind of rolling down the list. I think uh, Pittsburgh Steelers is a team to kind of look out for with with the age of, of uh, Roethlisberger and the health, of, the health concerns with Roethlisberger. I think that they both of the guys they had behind them, they were hoping would, would work out Rudolph and this other cat, and neither one of them have really showed much with the opportunity that they had. So that's one to watch. Yeah, I don't think uh, uh, I don't think the optics of Big Ben and Jameis Winston on one team. I don't think that looks good from a PR standpoint. So maybe not. <laughs> good call. Good call. All right, moving forward. Um, the Saints, man, obviously starts off with the big one of Drew Brees bringing him back from the two-year, fifty million dollar deal. What you think? Um, now, okay. So right at, remember at, right after the season, we did our, our end of the year pod and my feelings were very hurt and I was upset. And, uh, I said, let's go with Taysom. Let's do it. Get breeze out of my face. If he doesn't take a pay cut, tell him, move on, pull the old Patriots versus Tom Brady. Well, breeze gives you the team friendly deal. And at the end of that podcast, I said, look, what's going to happen is we're going to sign breeze. We're gonna we're gonna do the the first round tender on Taysom Hill, and we're just gonna go about it. We're gonna make another run at it, and by the season, I'll be back in on Breeze. So I'm here to tell you, I'm almost fully back in already, and let's just go. I mean, look, the guy's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You don't just let him walk out of your building. Like, what kind of idiot franchise would do that? Looking at you, Bill. Um, <laughs> I think he, I think he, he did Dennis a solid. I think it's a team friendly deal. Um, twenty five years. I mean, twenty five a year for a, a absolute Hall of Famer. Um, I don't think you could pass it up. Yeah, I, I think. Look, I, I, I kind of echoed this when we were talking about it on the last couple pods back. Um, when you got a guy like Drew in the organization, you you don't push him out the door. You just right. you roll until he's done. And I think that, yes, you could see that the strength in his arm has, has diminished a little bit. But, I, I, again, we've seen him at, play at such a high level in our offense and our scheme with the ability to check down to our running backs, the way that we throw those underneath routes, those crossing routes. I mean, we, we utilize all space of the field, so I'm not worried about can he throw the ball 70 yards anymore. I think that we have playmakers get the ball in their hands and let them do the rest. So I think it's, it's exciting to have Drew for another year or two. It's exciting to have Taysom still in the fold. I think that's another one that we'll kind of wait and see in here. What kind of contract do they give Taysom? Um, is it a contract that says, hey, look, 
you are the guy post Drew? Or is it a, a one-year deal for now and continue to take these small steps until he outright takes it uh, or, or Breeze yeah. walks away yeah, and I he mean, has I, chance? I think you'll see him play on that tender number, which is a is a pretty good deal for for a guy like him. I mean, it's not it's nothing to turn his nose up at. So, yeah, no doubt. But I also just love still having the dynamic of being able to use taste in the way that we had the last well, season. I mean, the last two on that note, like Breeze, yeah, on that note, Breeze has said all offseason that you know he's willing to give up more to to taste him and he's willing to see like kind of what that offense could look like with a little more taste sprinkled in. And it'll be yeah. interesting to see when we go into the season, if he's willing to, you know, give those snaps up. I keep going back to the fact of on that drive in the playoffs, um, after Taysom completes that huge pass and breeze comes right back out and fumbles. Now look, he can't hold it. You can't hold one play against the guy, but ask yourself if Bree if, Peyton would have said, Taysom, you stay out here. How that would have went with Breeze? Do you think he leave, do you think Breeze is like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Let him go win the game. <laughs> you know? yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm interested to see how that's going to play out in a big moment this year because that was a big moment where you said, all right, we, we did it. It worked. Now, Breeze, get back out there, and, and it kind of blew up in your face. Well, what I think, I think kind of the underlying thought for, for Drew is not so much that he's going to be taking snaps away from him under center. I think it's more that we're just going to get Taysom more involved on the field, period. I think there was a big chunk last year where when Drew was out and Teddy was your starter for those four or five weeks, uh, you didn't see any Taysom because we couldn't afford to have right. our backups backup go down. So right. there was a big chunk where he wasn't on the field, whereas this year, if Bree stays healthy, I think you're going to get that time back or those those snaps back from Taysom that he would have been on the field more, more uh, play-by-play. Maybe not so much under center, but just somewhere, whether it be in the backfield, whether it be in the slot, whether it be at t- wherever, wherever they go about putting Taysom. I think that's what is going to be the difference this year in our offense that's going to even elevate us even more is that you're going to have him on the field more regularly at the same time as Drew, not so much one on one off. Do you think do you think the Saints bring in a third quarterback? I think uh, because if you're I'm doing that, you have to have one. If you're doing you that, you have to have one. Have have the security. You have to have the Taysom. I mean, the, uh, the Teddy. Because right. if Breeze were to go down, like you're saying, if you want to continue to utilize him in that in that fashion, then you got to have someone else to take the true on the center snaps. Look, I, I've said it to you and your brother in the past. I am I am pro Jalen Hurts, dude. I like Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma, <laughs> the old Alabama quarterback. I'm totally game with bringing that dude. If he's still available, um, you know, say late second. I know we don't have a second round pick, but let's say he's, he's late second. He's still there. Or, or regardless, if he's still available in the second round, I think you find a way to make it happen. If that's going to be, if you don't think Taysom is the future, the only person that really knows this is Sean. Okay, he's the only one that really knows whether he wants to move forward with Taysom or not in that capacity. So if he doesn't, if he has any doubt, you need to go get a quarterback to start getting in position and getting ready to kind of take over for the future for the Saints. So. I mean, it really just yeah. comes down to what is Sean, what is his true opinion on Taysom? If he loves Taysom, then I'm not worried about it. If he if he has some question marks, then I say go get a guy. It, it never hurts to have people in that room that are that are that are quality players because they can always be flipped for trade assets later. So I'm big on Jalen. Let's go get Jalen Hurts and bring him to New Orleans, baby. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I I, I think you would see him go go the route of uh, a cheap veteran at some point, but um I think you're going to uh, – you've been carrying three quarterbacks. I don't see that changing now if you really plan on using 
taste them the way you have been using them. Yeah. Moving on. Big one. Big more. I mean, look, this has been a fever dream for this podcast, this whole um, this whole free agency period, because you're bringing in Manny Sanders. We've been calling for this for like four years, and it's finally yeah. happening. It's incredible. Yeah. When, when I when I sent you and your brother the uh, the alert that I got on my phone, it was it. I was I don't know, I was I was like a little schoolgirl, bro. For, for about five minutes, I was so giddy that that we got yeah. in Emmanuel Sanders is a guy that we've been wanting for so long. It's a guy that I, we brought up his name year after year after year because for some reason he always seems available, and I'm like, dude, this dude's so underrated. Bring this dude in, and now we're actually in position to have him. And it's a great time to have him when you have a premier talent at Michael Thomas. Right, you have a big, physical, athletic tight end and Jared Cook eating up the middle. Dude, Sanders' game is underneath, bro, and and it's gonna be there for him because there's gonna be so much attention elsewhere. Not to mention Alvin Kamara in the backfield taking his guys out. So I just think that Emmanuel is in a position to. It was a great move for him, and it was a great move for the Saints. I think it's a win-win on both yeah. sides. I just love, I love, and this is why I've always wanted him. Is you love the way his skill set fits this offense, and people are gonna be shocked how open he is at times because this offense creates spacing, just outrageous spacing, the way they spread people out, the way they move guys around. And he's the kind of like cerebral wide receiver that can find that little, that little crease in his own, or he can find the open space and run to it. He knows where he's supposed to be. He can get on track with quarterbacks fast. We've seen that. He came into the 49ers in his first game with Jamie Garoppolo, just lights it up. If you, if you don't think him and Breeze are going to connect, even if they – if they have to do Skype phone calls all the way up into the season, um, I just I think him and Breeze are going to be really a match made in heaven. I think Breeze's arm and his his mind um, kind of fit perfect with what Emmanuel Sanders is able to do. So I'm just uh, excited. It's awesome. How many, how many times have we said the offense is just lacking one more playmaker? It needs one more guy. It needs. Everybody's right. keening in Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and now Jared Cook is starting to come into the fold, but he was still, you know, we're still kind of waiting to see him take over. But uh, just bringing in another option is going to be vital to this offense and, and, and the growth. I think this offense could potentially take with a guy like Emmanuel Sanders in the fold. So if he can yeah. stay healthy, yeah. you have a legit, legit number two wide receiver opposite of Mike Thomas. And if you're over there doubling, tripling up on Mike, man, he's going to eat you. If you're up there worrying about them, right. Cook's going to get you. You know, or then you're gonna have a mismatch because some linebacker is gonna be trying to cover Alvin, and it just yeah, it really sets you up for for team success, and, and that's something that's exciting. Yeah. So another big one. Um, this is a, again just like I said, it, it's a fever dream for this podcast. I don't know how many times we've talked about how much we missed Malcolm Jenkins. I, I mean, I would just text you like in the middle of the season. For no reason, I, I would, you know, maybe flip past an Eagles game and just out of nowhere, like, hey, I miss Malcolm. Like, I, I just, I need to talk, man. <laughs> he was a guy, like, and, and like, I don't, no revisionist history. Look, when the Saints moved on from Malcolm and brought in Bird, I was definitely excited because you think and at the time, you're like, look, Jenkins is great. He's a team guy. He's a glue guy. He's a very good, consistent player. But if you had the opportunity to get better, you get better. You do that. You take the chance. And they did that with Bird. It didn't work out, obviously, but nobody knew that going in. Bird was the best safety in football the year we brought him in. There's no yeah, issues with bring. There's no issues with bringing him in because he was yeah. that guy. Okay. The ball. Now, Dude, you have like seven picks. Right. So looking back, look, it didn't work out. 
when you get a chance to bring a guy like Jenkins back, again, you have to do it. Now, it's it's four years, 32 million, 16 guaranteed. I think it's an average of like eight um, a year, but he's he's just a guy that's always on the field. He's played the most defensive snaps since like 2016 or something like that. It just it's a testament to his health. He's all like he's just that calming presence in a defense and he's a veteran leader in a backfield full of still just young growing guys. That's I think you hit it right there dude in terms of our secondary is fairly young, and you're bringing in not only a, a an experienced leader, but a guy that's still playing at a really high level. So when you can add leadership and high-level quality to a young secondary, you got something there. And, and I think that um, I think someone that could really benefit from this, and uh, probably some people were saying, well, what about Chauncey Gardner? How, where's his role? I mean, you saw the production he brought. Why wouldn't you give him a chance? Let me tell you something. I've been saying it from day one, and if I don't see it happening this year, I'm going to go nuts. Chauncey Gardner is your nickel corner, okay? He needs to start in the nickel. So that means he's on the field with Jenkins and with Williams and the other surrounding cast. So I think that Chauncey's a guy that can really benefit from having Malcolm in his corner. Learning the game, so so to speak, from, from, from Malcolm's eyes, I think would be great for a guy like Chauncey. And look, not to mention, we, we, we sit here and we crush, or at least I do, and it's not that I want to, but it's just stating the obvious is the struggles that you've seen with Williams and his, his, his inability to take an angle and, and, and he continues to get beat deep. Maybe this is the guy that needs to come in here and explain to him how to play the free safety position. It could be oh, yeah, really look, beneficial for Williams, too. As high as we are on Malcolm Jenkins and as much as we love him, there was a time early in Jenkins' career where he struggled because he was put in different positions and given different responsibilities that didn't really fit his skill set. And I think if there's an example of a guy that just needed to be – and when that was happening, I, I don't know if you, you remember, we would use him often as a as a cornerback, and he just didn't fit the profile. And we were screaming we for him to move him to safety. Time. Yeah. And when they moved him to safety, he thrived. Well, if he, if like, if if Williams is a guy that has all this raw talent that just needs somebody to say, like, hey, this is how you play the safety position. You exactly like you said, you're bringing in the right guy to do that for sure. Yeah. And and Chauncey's another guy that can learn at the wing of a established veteran in a league like Jenkins. So I think it, I, I I love the move. I really think it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's, it's phenomenal. As much as we love Vaughn Bell. And we, we both wanted, I was saying, that's your top priority this offseason is bring back yeah, Vaughn Bell because, right. because we let Malcolm Jenkins go when he was striding into that prom of his career. So is Vaughn Bell. And it was like, I don't want to see that happen twice. Now, granted, you bring Malcolm in, so that kind of lowers the blow a little bit from losing a Vaughn Bell that I think, again, is going to go on to be a really successful safety in the league. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you like – what we're saying and, and, and just bringing in this veteran presence and what it can do to your locker room, what it can do to your secondary, what it can do to your defense and team as a whole. Right. Oh, I agree. I agree. And look, there's a chance that Von Bell balled out in his, uh, in his contract year and never has the, I mean, he had an out of this world season this wow. year. So yeah. like Jenkins is a steady, pre- you're paying for production that you've seen happen over and over and over and over again. So sure. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that every day of the week. Speaking of a guy who you're paying for production, you've seen over and over and has been just very consistent in his time here with the Saints. Um, 
we bring back David Onyemata, and he's a guy. There's two guys on this list that when we did the you know looking forward podcast and kind of like guys we thought we were going to lose. I remember having Onyemata circled as one of those guys is that you just can't afford to bring back. Um, and it's unfortunate because he's such a, a good, steady presence on that defensive line. You get him three for 27 with an average of nine million. Uh, M- Mickey Loomis is an absolute ma- master. Like, I love it. I love the deal. What I, what I think this does is I think it speaks to the future of Sheldon Rankins a little bit, too. So Sheldon Rankins is a free agent next season. Uh, I'd be surprised if they brought him back after this deal because that is, I mean, look, it's a great deal, but it is starting money for an interior lineman. So, um, yeah, no, but, but I'm with you. David Onyemata is a stud. I think he's a huge part of the success that we've had against the run over the last two seasons. We talked about us being one of the better rush defenses in the league, and he was truly a staple in that becoming a thing for us. So yeah. you have dude, the, the depth that we have at defensive tackle this season is insane. When you talk about Rankins, Malcolm Brown, David Onyemata, and Shai Tuttle, who started to come on to his own last season, I think those four guys, that may be – Truly, if you look across the league in terms of the depth at the interior position on the defensive line, we may be top five in the league, period. Oh, yeah. And I, 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 yeah, I maybe, think so. Maybe, maybe. So the defensive line as a whole, you love it. Now, the only thing that I have some slight concern is the depth at defensive end position. We'll talk about that in a minute when we get into this, the positions of need still. But, uh, yeah, David Onyemata bringing him back into the fold is, is crucial not only for this season, but I think moving forward as well. Yeah. And then just the last the last bit of Saints news that that happened recently was um was Anders Pete he gets five years fifty seven thirty three I don't know <laughs> mixed feelings on Pete I, I I've been a like long time uh, defender of him I think anytime you ask a guy to move around the line as often as you have. Um, with Andrews Pete, you got to give him kind of the benefit of the doubt there that he was just settling in. And when he's healthy and on the field, I think he's just a, he's a solid presence. And it, like the funniest thing I hear is that you, you're overpaying a guard. Okay, put Breeze in front of bad guard, and look, Pete has some stretches. When Pete is bad, the game go is done. It's over with. Like write it off. The Rams this year, the Vikings this year, two big games that you lost were bad Pete games or games where Pete got hurt and was gone. So uh, I, I, I don't know. It, I think continuity on an offensive line goes a long way. So bringing him back, um, I think is good. Yeah, I, I think offensive line on the free market, on the free agent market, gets so pumped up and overpaid that anytime you can keep a guy in house, you're better off just doing it. Because look at what we had to pay Nick Easton to come in and be a backup. Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway, like you said, the continuity is, is just, it's the chemistry that you, you've you already developed with this offensive line and Armstead, Pete, McCoy, Warford, and Ramchek. I think anytime you find a group of five guys that work so well together up front in the trenches, obviously speaks to the success that we have offensively. You want to try to keep that as, as as long as possible. So yeah, it's it. You know, you could talk about are you overpaying him? Is the contract too much money? Whatever. If, if the guy is is keeping Drew on his two feet, I don't care what you're paying him. In, in all honesty, it, as long as it fits under the cap and you can make it work, pay the guy. I mean, look, War- Larry Warford's making twelve million this year, which is more than Pete's going to be making. Now, can you right. say that Warford's more consistent? Sure, I, yeah, I would agree with that at this point in time. But like you said, 
we've had Pete in so many different circumstances across the across the board over the years because we needed him to fill in because of his versatility, and he's done it without complaining. He's gotten out there and he puts in the work. So, to me, um, I think when he is healthy, that Pete really is one of the better linemen in the league. I think. I mean, I know for whatever reason, Pro Football Focus, which is a measure that most people use uh, to to look at rankings and, and this, that, and the other. But I think that uh, for me. He is one of the better players, and, and around the league, he kind of gets the, the look that he's not. Well, look, I can promise you Sean Payton had his hand in this one, and he, you know, yeah. he, he's comfortable with Pete, and, and he understands what Pete brings to the unit as a whole. He understands how he fits in his scheme. I mean, you're talking about we run a lot of screen game and a lot of, you know, a lot of movement, and we need linemen that can get out in space, and Pete's one of those guys that can do it. So um, I, I have no problem with it at all. I think you, you hold on to that chemistry up front. If it could fit under the cap and you find five guys that work well together, you keep them as long as you can keep them. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So I think that's all for the, um, for the Saints moves as of right now. Uh, we'll see going forward. We get stunned. I mean, there were a couple of restructurings. Um, Kiko was a big one that jumped out. Um, really reduced his cap hit after coming off the ACL. Uh, who was the other ones you had mentioned? Yeah, so it was Kiko. Uh, some kind of under the radar was uh, Armstead and Mike Thomas actually took some restructuring. Um, mm-hmm. And then Patrick Robinson was another one. And, and look, we talked in previous pods. I brought up the, the salary cap situation and guys' salaries. And I said Kiko was one. I said Robinson was definitely one. He was a $6 million hit, and he barely touched the field last year. Um, I'm, I'm honestly surprised it wasn't an outright cut, to be honest with you. But yeah. um, two other guys that I still think are, are potential potential for that restructure is as uh, Warford. I just mentioned him making 12 million against the cap this year. I think that's one that not because I want to get rid of him in any way, shape or form, but let's restructure him now because he's a free agent next season as it is restructure him now, drop the number and extend the contract. Now let's have him for the next three years alongside Pete. So I'm all for that. Not to mention you have, you have uh, McCoy inside on the rookie deal. So you can, you can lock up the interior of your offensive line for the next four or five seasons right there. Uh, so he's one that's a potential lookout. And then another one is uh, Janoris Jenkins, where he's 11-something, uh, $12 million against the cap. Again, as a guy that I think, if you really like him, potentially restructure. Um, but at the same time, I think he holds the leverage point of, if we were just talking this season, I don't think he would agree to take the cut. And then because of the lack of uh, cornerback and free agency, the lack of cornerback depth that we have, you'd almost be stuck in just keeping him at that figure if that's what he wants to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of guys. cornerbacks, speaking of cornerbacks, um, Eli Apple going to the Raiders is the best thing that ever happened to me because I had some all-time bad Eli Apple takes last year. So I don't think <laughs> I, I don't have to do that anymore. No, but I, I really don't think he did because I think Eli stepped up in a big way for us at times. I mean, he was the most targeted cornerback in the league because yeah. nobody was throwing on Lattimore's side of the field, and he did produce right. at a point. So. I stand uh, by my point. Yeah, he got roasted like, in some games. And I like that. I like overall. His, I like what I saw. Yeah. When his like confidence it. fell off, he was done, and you had to move on. Um, but when he was in his little groove, he was fine. What you got beyond that, man? We're at a. I think we're coming coming to an end. We gave a lot of information here. What else you got? All right. So real quick, with that. And understanding what the Saints have brought in, now I think the last part of our conversation is: Are there still positions of need? Via free agency, probably not at this point. More so looking into the draft. Okay, uh, for me, we just talked about the offensive line. I think you could use a little depth at the tackle position. I think you have yeah. Nick Easton and Will Clapp inside. You like that? Maybe look. And I'm not talking round one by any means, but I'm saying look at some depth at some point in the draft. There, uh, defensive end is another one where at some point in the draft 
outside of Cam Jordan and Davenport, you have Hendrickson, but we all know as much as I like Hendrickson, as much as we like Hendrickson, he is a bit of a concern from an injury standpoint. So unless Sean Payton is all in on, on Carl Grandison, which, look, they kept him even during his stint in prison. Uh, they, they held on to him. So they, they may like him more than we know. But uh, maybe that's a position to look at in terms of some depth. Right. And, uh, but positions of need that I think are, are conversations when you're talking round one. Um, looking on the defensive side of the football, I think linebacker and cornerback um, are, are kind of where you're aiming. Now, for me, linebacker, there's only two that I would consider round one talents, and that's Patrick Crean from LSU and uh, Murray from Oklahoma. So if one of those guys are available, I'm completely fine with going that direction to pair alongside DeMario Davis. You say, well, what about Kiko and Alex Anzalone? I'm with you. But Alex Anzalone and Kiko some concerns via injury, and, and uh, Alex Anzalone is a free agent after next season, so maybe you get ahead of the curve and just bring in a guy to start pairing along Davis. I'm going to tell you right now, dude, a Murray Demario Davis combination would be serious. Would be serious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, with that being yeah. said, if one of those guys aren't available in the first round, someone that I like in the second round that we'd have to trade back in, uh, just someone to keep an eye on. Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech is another one that I kind of like. Uh, then I look at cornerback and I say, look, we got Lattimore, um, and you have Janaris Jenkins for this year, and we'll see what happens with him moving forward. But after that, it's Patrick Robinson. Now, I keep telling you, Chauncey Gardner is, the, is the, your nickel. Okay, So that makes Patrick essentially your fourth corner, so to speak. Um, but I still think that's a high position to need um, in terms of someone that we could target in the first round. Now, we're picking at, what, 24? So elite corners that, that, that are coming out available via this draft, I don't know if they're going to be there. But that's someone that we can look into uh, or a position that we can look into via the draft trying to bring in somebody at the cornerback position. Now, one other guy. And I know you're not crazy about him, but one other guy that I really like at the cornerback position for us potentially, just to look at, just to kick the tires on, bro. I want to know what happened to Xavier Rhodes in Minnesota. How do you He's go done. from being Ronnie, sorry. Ronnie, no, 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 no. Don't do this to the podcast. It's a bad thing. I'm going to do it. He gets roasted. He's done. He's done. Listen, He's cooked. You mean to tell me he was that much faster two seasons ago when he was one of the best corners in the league? Yeah. One season he lost the ability to run fast. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. <laughs> no. That's what happens. It happens, man. It's done. You're done. He's done. Nah, I'm going to chalk it up to maybe it's what we just talked about with Eli, and it's something that for some reason, some kind of confidence issue. I, Thomas, he was one of the best corners in the One year ago. One year ago. Right. So you can say that about cornerbacks all the time. Ken Crawley was one of the best cornerbacks in football one year. Like, it happens, man. It, it just does. I'm with you. Ken Carly had a great year that year. But Xavier Rhodes was locked down, son. Yeah, locked down. I don't know, bro. I'm just saying I think it's worth on the right price. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad at, at kicking the tires on that and seeing what happens. If you can get any any form of what he did a year ago in Minnesota to pair alongside with, with Lattimore, dude, serious. Serious. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. All right. Well, I think that's it. That's all I got. We miss you guys. Yeah, we'll, you know, we'll be back soon. We'll do a po- probably just a post draft, huh? No, yeah, this draft. point, I don't think it's going to be too much more free agency stuff that's going to excite anybody. Yeah. yeah, and the draft stinks, so we'll just talk about it after. Well, you are out of mind, dude. <laughs> all right, that's all we got, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Who that? Later.